0: I think a big part of our journey is trying to see the city as a group of overlapping people and putting vision and desire in front of structure. If you think organizationally, you always become the bottleneck of whatever God wants to do. You can become the bottleneck in practical terms, so you've only got so much capacity. But I think also in ego terms, you can become a bottleneck because you actually think, oh, it's got to be about me, it's got to have my branding, it's got to look like this. We, we have to be forced to overcome the barriers of, of brand and structure in that you have to overcome that in order to collaborate.
1: Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. A fine day it is. Uh, Loving the journey of the City Table podcast and the opportunity to learn and grow, discovering God's heart for our cities and how we can participate in the work he is doing. John, Ken, good to see you. How are you doing today? I'm doing
2: great. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful Colorado weather here. We're losing our, well, we're not losing our leaves, they're changing color beautiful the yellows of colorado awesome same same here in kansas city ken
1: is in dallas
3: the grass There's no is
1: changing
2: there most likely
3: no <laughs> the sun is <laughs> shining the wind is blowing <laughs> it's a cool day for uh, texas and uh nice. I feel fresh and ready to go bro fresh and ready to go
1: i'm amped fellas i'm oh. amped up on caffeine hopped up apologies if i talk too fast I hit it hard today. <laughs> Cappuccinos,
2: several wow. lattes. Wow, wow. it was excessive. It was excessive. So we're doing pre- a lot of editing, right? Every, <laughs> above this, Jake, Jake, our
1: producer and audio engineer is going to be required to do copious amounts of editing. Um, I, maybe repentance is in order. I don't know. I mean, is, there's probably a line, right? Excessive caffeine is a reality.
3: There's always a line. Yes, yeah. actually, probably. there's always there's a line. A line.
1: Yeah. There's got to be a term. I mean, in this way, there's alcoholics. What's the caffeine What would be a term there, Ken? Surely you're, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm actually sitting here sipping my coffee while we're getting ready to start to talk together. together. Right, I noticed that. I noticed that. Fellas, today we
1: are going to be um, diving deeper into God's heart for our cities around the prompt and question of how do you get to know your city? And this is an arena that we've talked about in the past. Um, You know, in the last season, we looked at the redemptive discovery path and you guys just continue to amaze me and have been such a gift for me personally in, again, the appeal to having a redemptive lens on how we see our city, but even more so inspiring um, myself and others like myself to engage intentionally your city, getting to know it, and getting to know the history of it. Um, John, why is that so important, and what does that look like?
2: The beauty of any relationship is the journey into falling in love with that thing, or that person. Mm. The journey of falling in love with Mindy was a journey. It took time. And we're still on that journey. We'll be married 50 years next June. And can you imagine, 50 years— and I Come still on, don't know a lot Congrats. about my wife. I've learned a lot, but I think entities, humans, are mm. the same. That that to engage them without knowing them, without feeling mm. the pulse of who they are, or what a city is like, and then of course on the on the side of cities, they have such a history mm. that to to just step straight into some kind of activity. Without understanding the context of what you're coming into, understanding if God was there before, of course he was, he, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So beyond the fact that God was present and active in a place, he also has a plan for a place. He's got a genetic in a place. And um, it, it, that genetic is through the people that he sowed in the soil throughout the, the decades, generations, and in some cases, millennium. And so it is hyper-important that we enter into a knowledge and love th- base through through um, pursuit, through yeah. romance, if you will, if I can use that term, and fall in love with the place. Because really, if you're not loving the place, you don't have any right to try to change it. That's right. Yeah, that's one of probably one of my favorite
1: taglines from you, John, is you can't change what you don't love. Yeah. And there has been you know, as we've noted, without trying to condemn, there has been a path that other, quote, city transformers have taken to just cast demons out and identify all the darkness and address all the darkness, rather than the pursuit of discovering redemptive keys.
2: Right, and all that started with great intentions. And I, I've had conversations with dear brother, George Jordis Jr., who's mm. kind, of, kind of the, the brother that um, put that idea forward back in his yep. book, um, regarding spiritual mapping. And the idea wasn't to necessarily look where the enemy was, although that's a byproduct of it. It, it truly was as he what God was up to in a place. Over the years, during the 90s, it really fell into the hands of an idea mm-hmm. that if we just d- determine where the strongholds and the principalities and the demons were and identified them, we could boot them off the land and things would begin <laughs> to get better. Um, but really, the what we say we believe so strongly that the stronghold of a city lies in the shadow of a broken covenant so why focus on the broken covenant find out who gave that thing permission to be there Mm. Mm. by disobedience and so follow the shadow of that thing back to god's original intent so yeah. we had a guy here in Denver, for example, one of our early settlers was a pastor and a man of God. Well, he turned corrupt and he uh-huh. started buying and selling land uh, to make a profit for himself in a way that really didn't benefit the people that were coming to settle the area. Now, yeah, you can stand against the demons of this, that, and the other. Uh-huh. Or you can go back uh-huh. and say, he came with a good heart and he got corrupted. Let's go back and claim the original intent is to create uh, land laws and water rights laws for people who moved under the land and invite them in as new new settlers into the place. He got halfway through it and changed gears, and so wow. we'd rather get back to God's purpose through that man and others like him who sowed beautiful seeds in our in our cities. Love that, Ken.
1: What? Um... What about for you? How's just this arena, how, is, how has it played out in your life? Or what do you want to add to, again, the significance and importance of knowing your city? Or what would you say to people about the you know that path for them individually and what you would encourage people to do themselves?
3: Well, a few years ago, John and I uh, worked together on a book that is called Unravel. And yeah. actually, if If any of our listeners are interested in discovering that book or finding out more information about it, you can find it on our website. Um, You can go to our website at citytable.org and it'll show you how you can get your hands on a copy of Unraveled. But in it, we we outlined uh, kind of four, five, six things that we wanted to identify as a process for going after your redemptive discovery for your city and... There was there's one of those that's in there that we call the title deed principle. And huh. the title deed principle is one that that I stumbled along into while I was prayer walking my city. And, you know, it was one of those things where as I was walking, the Lord began to talk to me about something that was intended for my city that had been stolen or uh had been blocked you know that sense yeah. of getting at yeah. the spiritual root of what god intended for that city to bring for yeah. my city it was innovation and mm-hmm. what i felt like the father was saying to me was i want you as my son to redig the the well of innovation because the well had been stopped up and the water wasn't flowing yeah. kind of like out of what you know Isaac in Genesis 26 when he was asked to redig the wells to unstop yeah. the flow of water to his inheritance. And so that became some real specific strategic direction the father gave me that there's there's something that's intended there's a title that's for this land that I live on that is intended to be released and And for the city to be what the city is supposed to be, then we've got to unlock or unstop innovation because innovation is a part of its story. It is a a giver, a gift of innovation would flow once again in this city to help start new things and uh, pioneer things. It was a pioneering, a first city, and God wanted to see that unlocked. But there are other ones. Maybe John could walk us through those redemptive discoveries that we talk about. Yeah, I think that'd be important.
2: They're really fun, actually. They're really fun, and they work at a global level. They work at a personal level. When you think of that God was on the land first, and if you will, metaphorically, he put his thumbprint on the land. You know, The Lord put his mark, his identification, the way the rivers come through, the way the landscape is, the way the weather is. Um, And then even in in modern days, just what can grow there creates potential for future trade and commerce, Uh, whether there's mines, whether there's, yeah, I mean, God went way before everybody and designated different things. I got friends that are mining lithium in Argentina, gold in (laughs) Bolivia. You know, I've got I've got friends in Colorado. that are still out there on the little creeks with their little pans, trying to get get stuff out of the rip, the creeks. <laughs> you know, because God put that there, yeah. and um, so that thumbprint of God, understanding how God even created the mark of. Geography in a land. And then, of course, the thumbprint of God through the early people that came. What types of people? Who were they? Were they immigrants? Were they this? Were they that? Yeah. Um, a, kind of a full audit of what God's been up to to set the table for the growth of a city. <laughs> the other really cool one, uh, there's another one. We, we understand Jesus talked about being salt and light oh. uh, to the world. Um, of course, salt brings flavor um, to bland and tasteless things, the light is really interesting. We, I was listening to one bro- dear brother. He's up in Portland, and he was talking about how one of our jobs as the church is just simply turn the lights on. Hmm. Just turn the lights on. Just shine a beacon on something, and watch the rats scurry. You know, you know when you walk <laughs> in a room where there's rats and you throw the light on, they sh- they all over the place love it so we're not necessarily trying to deal with all the the dark stuff we're just trying to shine light on it yeah. so that truth and the kingdom can come forth um there's another really cool principle in this is the pile of bones idea right <laughs> um uh, Pete greg always used to say you um you see bones i see an army yeah um, floyd took it in a, Asked Pete if he could actually steal that line, and he wrote a book on it. Um, And, of course, they were friends, and nobody was stealing from anybody. But the beauty (laughs) of that idea was, what do you see when you look at a city? What do you see? Do you see the dark? Do you see Mm. the sin? Do you see the, you know, uh, we're always this way. People looked at Amsterdam as a sin city. Well, that sin started, of the sin of prostitution, sexual impurity, started as a gift of hospitality. Mm. And so you, you might wow. see the bones, Shit. but God says, I'm going to put flesh back on that. I'm going to bring hospitality back into a kingdom framework again. Um, one way you can do this is just actually to be like Ezekiel and ask the Lord to give you the eyes to see the bones and the potential of those bones, and one great way is just to prayer walk your neighborhood, prayer walk your business. Take, yeah. your, take your lunch break and walk around and pray for the tables and the folks sitting behind them at the desk, um, praying for your administrators at school, praying for your students. There's a school in California that they the children prayed for every child, uh, blessed every seat, prayed for the administration and every teacher in the school. The children did it. Love it. So they were seeing, they were seeing not bones, but they were seeing the potential from the bones that were there. Incredible. Ken, what about the last one, Ken? What about
3: that the, the one we like to talk about, yeah, the state of the temple? Exactly. You know, it simply said the church, the way she is, cannot transform the city in the way she dreams. And so it's really about this idea of, you know, what redemptive, print does God want to see fleshed out in the church? Um, And so we've got to research the past and present church realities and be willing to have honest conversations about, you know, where have we dropped the ball and where do we need to go back and pick it up and make it right Mm. and go forward Mm. together and be the people of God in the city, uh, being, uh, you know, God's ambassadors. We say many times that God makes us sons, the Son made us servants. Holy Spirit makes us ambassadors. And so, yeah. as an ambassador, let's get it right, straight from the Father's heart for the city. Let's let's help create a new way of being the church. The church is a family on mission together. Let's be that church and show up for our cities the way, the way she dreams. You know, Dave. Uh, about a week ago, John and I got some time together with our mutual and co-conspirator in the work of City Transformation. His name okay. is uh, Ben Woolard, And we talked with Ben a bit about how God set him up, literally, to get to know his city and how the Lord led him ultimately to the work he's doing in the city of Sheffield, England. Incredible. And I, I would just love for our listeners to hear a portion of our conversation. Let's do it, man. Here we go.
2: Yeah, you lead and I'll jump in. I'll, I'll be the color commentator.
3: Okay, there we go. Well, I'm really excited to be here with my good friend, Ben Woolard from Sheffield, located in the far north of England. And, uh, Yorkshire, is that right? Would I say it that way, Ben?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're not as far north as some, but we, we, we're definitely in the north. So yeah, Yorkshire, South Yorkshire, Sheffield. Finest tea around, I understand. Yeah, Yorkshire, Yorkshire tea. tea. That's, it's the, the only tea yeah. worth drinking.
3: Ben is the husband of a lovely woman named Amanda, the father to two beautiful girls, Evie and Ember, and I have yet to get to meet Ember, because when she was born in November of 2020, um, you know, COVID kept me from being able to see her. And I'm really praying that I get to come and see you and meet her for the very, very first time. But Ben, we're really excited to be able to talk with you. John and I are excited to hear your heart and listen and have you kind of speak into and inspire our community of City Transformers and friends that are on a journey with us um, we are uh, hungry to hear from you today, and so I, I just want to kick us off here. Ben, I know that you serve as the director of Together with Sheffield. In a minute, maybe you can share a little bit about that. But my my one question I wanted to ask you was: How did you how did you get involved? How did God capture your heart for city transformation?
0: I think it was uh, a slow. Journey. Uh, there's that beautiful verse in Jeremiah that said, uh, God, you misled me and I allowed myself to be misled. And for me, that is, a, I think, the picture <laughs> for a lot of city transformers. You believe that you're being called to a certain thing because if you were able to fully comprehend where it was the Lord wanted to lead you, uh, your brain would probably break and you'd just stop moving towards it. Um, And so for me, uh, he misled me and I allowed myself to be misled. So I uh, thought I was helping my wife set up a project um, in a hospital. Um, So my wife was an emergency nurse at the time. And uh, we'd had this idea of what would it look like if we had... Um, followers of Jesus present in the emergency room, available to offer healing prayer, available to uh, connect with people as they're in and out of the emergency room. And all of our friends from the National Health Service said it's a ridiculous idea, it would never happen. The National Health Service uh, doesn't like Jesus. So the story goes. And um, with my business mind, uh, because I was running a, a, a headhunting company at the time, and I thought, well, who do we need to speak to? How do we get started? And so I thought, well, the head chaplain is the one that has the authority. Go. So we just arranged a meeting with a head chaplain who was a lovely, traditional Anglican man. And we shared our heart, we shared the story. And at the end of sharing the vision and the idea, he put his hand on his chest <laughs> and he said, I have a tingly feeling here about this. Come on now.
2: <laughs> a tingly I feeling? I think that...
0: And I think that means we should pursue the idea. And uh thank God for that tingly feeling. Because yes. he he literally opened every door uh for us to be able to set up this project within the emergency rooms. It grew to um a rotor of twenty twenty-five volunteers from tens of different churches um wow. who were in the emergency room day and night, a number of days a week. Um listening, offering healing prayer, being present, and uh we just had some beautiful stories from that. And around that time I bumped into a group of people who were praying in a cafe one morning. And you know when there's Christian activity going on, your antenna are up. You know yeah. there's something going on in the corner. And I didn't recognize the people but I, I recognized the activity. Yeah. So I went over Um, It was early one morning before work. And I said, what's happening here? And they said, oh, we're a a group of Christians and we're just praying together for God's kingdom to come in Sheffield. Wow. And so I just joined that group and they would just meet at breakfast, have head-scratching conversations because they had no idea where to get started, what to do or what this meant. And we would have a series of just very frustrating breakfasts um, (laughs) where we would meet talk about the fact that we didn't know what to do and pray. And that was my first introduction into what became Together for Sheffield. And as we um, lent into what you would call the tripping edge, Ken, um, yes. things things began to emerge and our frustration gave way to, to God's heart for our city.
3: Wow. Wow. I love that. I love how God woos our hearts and brings us and makes the connections that we need. And because at the end of the day, we need others to do this with us. It's never meant to be um, a solo
0: gig, is it? No, definitely not.
2: Yeah, I was thinking it's not. And I was thinking about the origins of this journey for you, Ben. Um, You know, we have a lot of folks listening or friends that we contact that are just getting started. And this is all new it's kind of like where do I and where do I start and i love your story right there because you started what with what was in front of you your wife happened to be a nurse you happened to be connected to the emergency room you started right there and I, I wanted to encourage our guys to say there's something staring you in the face right in front of you you know the as a starting point rather than thinking of what can we start or what big thing can we do we just start with the beautiful little patch that the lord has placed us in already you know
3: such a good part of your story. As a group, I, I know you guys began to kind of get to know the city, and that's one of the the principles that, that John and I talk often about is, in, in order to, to touch your city, you've got to know your city. Um, you can't love what you don't know, and you can't change what you don't love. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about the steps that you began to take Uh, individually and corporately, uh, what would you recommend as steps to take to get to know your city so that you can uh, love her well?
0: So the journey for us, after lots of head-scratching, we came up with this amazing theological idea that we should seek to serve the city first. Um, And we thought, well how do we serve it? What does that look like? And we'd heard about this thing called a faith action audit. And that's essentially collecting data from every faith group in the city and presenting that data to the city as a gift to say, this is the work that all of the faith groups are doing in the city. And the process of doing that means that you have to talk to a lot of people. You have to get a lot of people to sign things and fill in information, give you their data, and you're learning all the time from the process. I would say, looking back, it's not about the audit. I think choose a course of action to get to know your city, but actually it's the formation that happened to us as a team as we were on this process that's really what happened. So our hearts were orientated towards we want to find out about the city. and the father used the vehicle of the audit in order to help form us as a team. So we had this famous 12-hour meeting two days before the huge launch, before the city leaders, <laughs> when everything had gone wrong. The events <laughs> person had forgotten to order the tables. Someone else had um, forgotten other essential items. And, you know, we'd said, we want this to be a professional event. We want the city to feel... Loved and like we put in a lot of effort to make this happen, and we sat in um, my friend Sandy's living room just for twelve hours, uh, trying to work through all of these issues, and we we, we got through it. But that that is as important as the data is the journey you go on as the team to get there because you're all sharing the dissonance together that you feel like you're walking into the dark and and you don't know what's what's next. Right. So we we did we did. In this case, the the audit, and we presented to the city. So we invited people from across the city, from the city council, um, different church leaders, business leaders, to to share. And that again forced us to have an identity. Mm-hmm. We've, we we yeah. had to say, what's our tagline? What what do we call ourselves? How do we pre- present to the city? Um, how do we present Jesus in a way that people are going to want to engage with him? Yeah. Um As a as a group, and so it forces you in very quick succession to have to deal with lots of those lots of those issues and you get to know who's who's up for the journey, who's up for the pain of um, making these things happen. and so from that faith action audit, the council then realized that Christians exist in the city and actually the church is willing to do something and we created a front door for the church of the city. There might not have been much behind that front door at the time, but there was a point of access. And what I would say about events is they force people to prioritise time and they create focus. So if your organisation runs an event, what you're doing is you're inviting people to think about what you think they should be thinking about, and hopefully that's that's God-led. Beautiful.
2: Wow, that is beautiful.
3: So, been, you as this was released and people begin to get to know you and your friends and and begin to see the heart of Jesus in each of you, what emerged was this together, Sheffield together, right? And yeah, what can you tell us a little bit about the aim of the org that was created, was birthed, and what you guys what you guys do right now?
0: Yeah, so. It's Together for Sheffield. And again, we just wanted the name to communicate this desire for for togetherness. And so I think the church has moved a lot in its thinking from we're the ones that have to be out picking up the litter. We're the ones that have to be out doing the mercy ministries. And it feels like we've moved to let's actually cultivate a community, invite everybody into that work. Let's yeah. invite the city to actually be part of solving those, those problems. Um, let's, let's invite them to go along with us. Yeah, yeah. let's invite yeah. them to go along with us. And let's, let's cultivate an environment where people can experience the reality of, of giving and receiving. Um, so I would say at that time, what our aims were, we had no idea really. We were seeking to serve the city. There were lots of different ideas and it was experiencing the the dissonance of just walking on on the shipping edge and just trying to work out what is it that we're supposed to be doing here and um, so the council actually said to us, we need some help because there's a big rollout of a new benefit program in the city and we'd love your input on that. So we again called we convened a special meeting calling people from across the city to talk into these issues. And out of there, we realised that lots of the people going on this new benefit programme would be using food banks. And the benefit programme was online only, so it's called Universal Credit, and people had to be using laptops in order to access it. The very nature of someone who has to use a food bank regularly is it's unlikely wow. they've got a broadband connection and a laptop. Wow yeah, interesting. And so what we did was we set up something called Universal Credit Buddies, where we had um, followers of Jesus in food banks with laptops helping befriending people signing up um, for their for their universal credit benefits. And I think one of my reflections is one of the things that God has grown in us as a team and keeps r- reminding us about is this need to think in a networked way when you look at a city. Mm,
3: yeah. So if
0: you, th- if you, th- if you think organisationally, you always become the bottleneck of whatever God wants to do. And you, you can become the bottleneck in practical terms. So you've only got so much capacity and therefore you're quickly overwhelmed. But I think also in ego terms, you can become a bottleneck. Because you actually think, oh, it's got to be about me. It's got to have my branding. It's got to look like this. Whereas actually, I think a big part of our journey is recognising collaboration, trying to see the city as a group of overlapping people and putting vision and desire in front of structure. Yeah. I'd also suggest this is one of the biggest stumbling blocks of of the local church because by structure churches are competitive Mm. they have a a, and i say that as someone who is head over heels in love with the local church right right. who loves church leaders who loves what the church seeks to do so this is more of a an observation of if you've got if your income comes from your members and your members are prone to move churches every now and then and you've got a defined team and structure, then by nature you are competitive with other churches. That's And right. I've wondered where I've wondered whether there's something of God's wisdom in that, in that you have to overcome that in order to collaborate. Wow! So I, I remember. Um, I I've always got this idea that I'm going to find a book one day in a library or a charity shop that's going to change my life. And so <laughs> I'm always lo- I'm always looking for for old books. And um, and I, I picked up this book once and it was this, gu- this guy, a Christian guy wrote it in the 50s and he said, the spread of the resources in our world, the reason it's so mismatched is because God wanted to force humanity to unite in mm. order to share resource. Oh,
3: oh, that's gorgeous. beautiful. That's really And I just,
0: I just love that idea, but I think the same is true for our city. We, we have to be forced to overcome the barriers of of brand and structure. And they're barriers and supports at the same time. Mm -hmm. Brand and structure give you identity and security, which are really good God-given things. There's also this opportunity to seek to overcome and to work together.
1: John Kent, that was an incredible conversation. Yeah. My my goodness, Uh, I was riveted. And I'd love us just spend a, a bit of time now hearing from you guys, quite honestly, of what of Ben's story, as again, we're unpacking and looking at seeing our city, getting to know our city, what strikes you, whichever one of you want to go first, what strikes you most about Ben's story that you want, you know, everybody who tracks with City Table as a ministry and a podcast to remember and let's expound
3: upon it. I think I think one of the things I would just jump in right away. First of all, I just love Ben so much, and I love he's obviously you can hear how smart and articulate he is, and he's doing an amazing work there in his city. But I love yeah. the way that he hears the Holy Spirit speaking to him. He's walking in step with the Holy Spirit, and in that. In that process, the roots of his city are beginning to be revealed to him. He's starting to discover the DNA of his city, and yep. his journey, his heart interests, the clueless friends uh, that God introduces him to, and the open door through uh, through the unique and you know kind of the thread of just pulling the thread. The Lord lays out. Um, he begins to you know walk forward in obedience yeah. saying yes to the father city audit comes citywide prayer social justice action start getting launched i mean it just blows me away yeah yep
2: i totally agree john i
3: love that he has
2: he never had a plan mm. you know we we've talked before on our podcast about the difference between organization and ecosystem yeah. And really what Ben is creating and walking into it's really like a um spinning a web. It 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 got a it starts at a place and then it goes out mm. and it starts catching the blessings as it goes and he's yeah. weaving this beautiful relationally based um friendship network if you will that's yeah. gaining him great favor in the city and that's yes. That's just something that you cannot pay for. You cannot you can't get favor until you serve. And they're serving at the end. Inf- and he made this great sentence. He said, We've just decided whatever the need is, we'll serve it. Yeah. Yeah. If it comes up, boom, we'll hit it. You know, yes. I just found that absolutely wonderful. I loved it. It's absolutely. So beautiful. Um, well done. I mean, it's, isn't it cool that we can be clueless? And yeah. we wait for God to open a door. And for the door, it was his wife's work at the hospital. And the way that that opened up an idea in his head that the Spirit gave him of how yes. they could extrapolate that out to be a blessing. Um, and I, I want to say to our, our listeners, every one of you are standing in front of something that God wants to open that door That's and right. say, here's the first step. For those of yes. you that are new to this, for those of you who are old, old dogs, you know, we need to make sure we're building everything on God-opening doors, the moving mm. of the Spirit. Mm. Um, it's just a beautiful thing that God did through Ben.
3: I, I love yes. it. Dave, I was, uh, I was having breakfast this morning with a friend, a guy in the mm. business world, a marketplace mm. friend of mine. And uh, he said, you know, I've been listening to you guys' this podcast, and it's, it's speaking to me. But my mm. question is, okay, what, what can I do? Yeah. What do I do with this? What's my next yeah. step? And, yeah. and I, I was just saying to him, it, it starts by just saying yes and yeah. stumbling your way forward, saying, God, I'm, I'm available. Open a door. Show me what's next. Like, And I love Ben's story because it is a it is a model. It's an example of how the Lord just leads us into this work. But we need to find our tribe, our team. Yes. Um, and that's that's part of it that I love Absolutely. That, that God does through Ben's story. Absolutely, yeah. I
1: I was struck by his humility, by, as as you both have commented on already, his simplicity, him stumbling his way into it. Uh, you know, we again, we started this episode um, with a conversation just around the importance of seeing our city, knowing our city, falling in love with our city. Clearly, Ben demonstrated that as love for Sheffield and then the unique kind of pathway God took him on with, you know, his wife and the relationship at the hospital and just wanting to engage and meet that need, but all the while carrying a bigger picture of right. what God could do in a city. Right. And I forget exactly how he answered the question, but we were, you know, you guys early on asked him, like, how did you get into this in and yeah. engaging transformation work? And he was, I, did he say he was kind of like hoodwinked by God? It was kind of like, he <laughs> was like, And it was tongue in cheek, but you could, you know, again, that resonated with me. But I imagine with others of just, wow, man, there's way more here than I can possibly take on. Yeah, but I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna carry. It almost sounds cheesy. I don't mean for it to sound cheesy, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna know God's heart, and I'm gonna play my part. Oh boy. I'm going to get some flack for that one. It, it rhymes too <laughs> conveniently, but it's real, right? We want to it's know real. God's heart for our city, and then we want to play our part in the larger landscape of a collaborative community, which yeah. is what City Table is all about, and helping to foster teams of individuals that care deeply, that know their city and engage it.
2: You know, I was thinking about this desire to engage, connected with knowing your city. you gotta go together. you got to know it so that you can begin to... F- Determine how to engage from the Lord. And Ben yeah. brought up a very, very interesting um, ingredient, and that is the audit, a city audit. Yes. Um,
1: yeah, I was intrigued by that. Now,
2: we're, we're talking about redemptive discovery, and he was talking about audit, and it sounds like a little bit different things. They're they're married together. They're, it's all part of knowing the city. The audit is, is something that the city asks for. To, to, to so that the, the what they call a faith-based here in the states the the, the people of God mm. can let the city know who they are where are they and what are they up to mm. and then they look for for touch points mm. so I, I thought one of the greatest points about the audit was events that ben said, we decided to do it together yes yeah. it was in the journey of taking on the audit with some friends that They fell in love with their city, they got to know their city better, and they are now the key informants for the city to the the governmental officials. Who's the city government gonna go to when they have questions about the immigrants over there or the schooling issue over there? They're gonna go to those who did the audit. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Now, add to that audit, you know, some sneaky stuff about what God's been up to, and the research that you did on the on the redemptive roots of the city. Marry those together, put them in a in a presentation that both church and government and business officials can benefit from. I, I found yes. that absolutely wonderful. Now, in some places right now in the states, uh, people are hiring audit companies to do mm. it of, uh, for them, and uh, obviously there's benefit for that. But I think maybe they we would miss out on yeah. the joy of doing it together internally. So I, I've got that really on my heart. I'm I'm going to become an auditing redemptive discovery expert. That's what I want to do. I, I want to help people know how to do that journey. You know.
1: Yes. Yeah,
2: what what they call that
1: uh, that group in, in Sheffield Kemp? It was like care together or together we care or something like that. Together for um, Sheffield
3: is the name yeah, of the Together. Yeah. And that's the key word that
1: Ben. Yeah. Yeah, that was the key word, wasn't it? And yeah, it was. and it, I, I don't know, maybe others felt the same. It was it was refreshing to hear him talk about, oh man, and the event almost didn't happen. We right. oh we everything was falling apart and you're just like again, that's what Probably so many feel like stumbling forward, it's messy. It doesn't feel so meaningful or eventful at times. Yeah, it's meaningful. like, oh, these yeah. small little things we're offering. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit working through the people of God together
3: yeah. to accomplish a great work. Relationships deepening, friendships forming, love begins to grow. And the group moves from just a group to a family. And they start to take on the things that God has in his heart for the city that's it. Amen. Amen. A big thanks
1: to Ben Willard for joining on and uh, for sharing his story with us. We bless you, Ben. We bless the work that God is doing through you and others in the city of Sheffield. Thanks for listening. Again, a reminder for those that would like to go deeper in um, getting to know your city, discovering God's redemptive keys for your city, encourage you to purchase Unraveled from CityTable.org. We'll catch you next time. Everybody, a few reminders. If you like what you hear today, please give us a rating. It really helps other people find this podcast. Encourage you to visit citytable.org for more info, resources, and ways to connect with John and Ken, as well as the broader City Table community. City Table Podcast is produced by Wheelhouse Studios in Kansas City, and our theme music is provided by Mountain City Music. Thanks again, and take care.